I want to welcome you to Dynamic Web Church Live Broadcast this Sunday. I do believe that you're just going to be blessed today and you're just going to be touched by the presence of God. You know, it's such a privilege for me to just come to you from our new studio that we've just finished. This is our first broadcast from the studio and man, it's just awesome. We have not completed it yet uh, fully, but I believe in, in the beginning of the new year, the first week in the new year, everything will be done. Um, because at the end of the year, festive season, you know, there's some of the materials that's not available, but everything will be done the first week in the next year. I'm so excited. I'm, it's so wonderful to sit here and to think that from this studio, we're going to reach the world. We're going to see people being touched. We're going to see people receive the message of God's grace. As I said in the previous broadcast um, last Sunday, that God has got such a, such a compassion for the lost. He's got such a heart for the lost that He will do anything to see people uh, saved, to see people giving their life to Jesus Christ. So I want to welcome you. I want you to relax. Just receive the presence of God right now. Open your heart for the message of God's grace. That's all that you're going to hear. That's what I want to say from Web Church. Dynamic Web Church is a church that is focused on the message of God's grace. It's a church that is focused on the message of God's unconditional love towards you so that you can receive the being of God, that you can be born of God, not just in your spirit, but in every area of your life, and that you can live a victorious life. So if you are a first-time visitor to Dynamic Web Church, I want to welcome you. I want to say you are the apple of God's eye. You are precious to the Lord and it's an honor for me to have you with me in this webcast. I do believe that you will just be blessed. You will just be touched. You are so precious to God. Amen. You must, it's, it's important for you to just open your heart to know that you are not going to receive a message of condemnation. If you listen to this, don't listen with an ear that says, yes, I'm hearing God loves me, but what is my part? We are going to talk about God's love towards you that influences you to the point that you can live the life of God, that you can live the fullness that God has given to you. Amen. And I also want to just thank everybody that's just invited people to watch this um, live broadcast. So, and that is just awesome to see people evangelizing, getting busy with that, uh, what God wants you to be busy with. You know, if God loves us, He gave His Son. And if we love God, we will accept what He has given unto us. And if we love people, we will tell them about Jesus. That's the greatest deed of love you can ever um, commit or do. The greatest act of love is showing people the unconditional love of God and Jesus Christ. You know, the whole thing that I believe is um, concerning evangelism is this. We live for a couple of reasons. The first one is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Once you've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are there to have a love relationship with God. That's it. And if you don't die right away and you continue to live, I believe the vision besides living in a relationship with God, the first thing we do as Christians is spread the gospel. That's the first thing we do. Jesus Christ came, He gave the Father, He gave the vision of the Father, He showed the people the love of God, and from there He said to them, go and tell others. The more people that hear the gospel, the more people that believe the message of grace, the more powerful the influence of grace is on this world, and it will bring a change in the lives of people and will be a, bring a change in this planet. I believe it will bring a change in climate patterns. It will bring a change in um, droughts. I mean, droughts will start to disappear. People will be blessed. Floods will start to disappear. We will start to see the kingdom of God in action by this message of grace. The more people that believe it, the greater force of grace there will be on this planet. The Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. So if somebody comes and ministers righteousness and the nation starts to believe righteousness, not righteousness by your own works, but righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ, we will find that the whole world starts to, uh, will be exalted. They will be exalted to a different level of life, a different level of living. We will find sickness start to disappear. We will find man paradise. <laughs> Amen. I believe that's God's plan. That will all happen 
in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's what we are pushing for. We are saying, like Paul said, all I want to know is who I am in Jesus Christ. And I want to put this whole law righteousness, works righteousness thing behind me so that I might attain the resurrection from the dead or the fullness of what God has given to me in Jesus Christ by believing on what Jesus has done for us. Amen. I want us just to pray together. Father, I thank you that everybody that listens to my voice right now will just have such a peace in their hearts. They will just know God loves me unconditionally. He cares for me, He's there for me, and He blesses me. Thank you, my God, that as I speak all over the world, live right now, people that listen to this message, their hearts will be impacted by your message of grace. I want to thank you for the stability that comes to our lives through what you give us, Lord Jesus. I want to thank you that you, the only way you relate to us is by what you've done on the cross, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your love in Jesus. I thank you that every sick person will be healed. Every person that has got just emotional, that needs emotional healing will be touched. And every person that is emotional, stable and blessed will just be more blessed. Amen. Amen. Well, I also just want to bring under your attention that if you ever go off, um, if this goes offline, just press F5 and um, then we'll just refresh the page and you will be able to see us again. Then um, remember that every message that we preach here is put in the archive under Web Church on the main page. So if you've missed a Sunday and you want to watch it on the Wednesday, I think yeah, we update it every Tuesday, um, you'll be able to watch it in the archive and we'll also be, um, you'll also be able to download it. Amen. Now, we've, we're going to have a New Year's message on, um, yeah, on the last, the 31st. We're going to have a New, Year me- New Year's message at 11 o'clock, uh, GMT plus 2. That's now 11 o'clock South African time in the evening or 23 hours South African time. So, you are welcome to slot into that to see what God has placed in my heart for the new year. Amen. I can bet you it's going to be grace and God's unconditional love for this year. And, and we will see what God says about that. Okay, and then we're going to have a Christmas service as well on the morning of the 25th, 9 o'clock South African time. So that's GMT plus 2, 9 o'clock in the morning South African time, a Christmas service. We're just going to have something short. I would just like to share a little bit on what Jesus Christ, His birth and all, of, all the things around that means to us as Christians. You know, so many times we just think the, the whole Christian thing is such a small thing and the world is so big and the sin thing is so big. It is um, amazing to think that time changed when Jesus came. Everything changed. Everything revolves around Jesus Christ. And what happened at His birth and what we received at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I just want to speak on finances just for a couple of minutes. And then we're going to get right into the Word. The, in the services we're going to have from January, we're going to just include worship. Um, just a couple of songs of worship where people can just, where you can just worship together and just sing together. I also want to advise you to maybe get 10-15 minute, minutes before the service onto the website and listen to the music that we play before the website, uh, before the uh, live service. Because, man, it is... I choose music that will just bring peace to your heart. It will get your mind into a place of rest and ready for the message of God's grace. Amen. So, uh, next year we're going to do that. Every crusade we have, we're going to have some report backs on what we've done, show you some miracles, just tell you what God is just busy with. Amen. Right. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Um... And we're just going to read there from verse 31. It says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after, these, after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought of the morrow, 
For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I want to read verse 33 again. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the way that righteousness is added unto you is by knowing the kingdom of God. Now the Bible says the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace and joy, according to Romans chapter 10. So, if you seek righteousness by what Jesus has done, if you seek peace by what Jesus has done, and if you seek joy by what Jesus has done, and you get established in the message of Jesus Christ has done it all for me, and you can even pull that through to finances, you will find the manifestation of God's power and you'll find the manifestation of financial prosperity in your life. Amen. I've seen it so many times in my life. I mean, we've moved down from one town to to another town now. We're in our new house. We've uh, put up the studio. We've done everything. And all of that was just by faith. Believing in what Jesus Christ has done. We've been blessed with this house by faith, by just believing that it was not by my righteousness, it's not by my sowing and reaping or by my tithing. It was just by what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross and I believe it. We get persuaded about it, we read about it, we start to see finances and financial provision in what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross and then we by faith receive. In the same way you receive healing, it's the same way you receive finances, it's the same way in which you receive a change of character, a change of thought pattern, a change of heart, a change of everything. It's by faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Now you might say, Bertie, but why doesn't God just pour it out all over the world all the time without us even believing? Now, um, we, must, we must realize that What our hearts is full of is what flows into our lives. With our hearts we believe unto righteousness. That's what the what the Word of God says and that's the way God ordained it to be. We're going to believe, we're going to be persuaded of what God has done. When we are persuaded of what is done, our eyes are opened to the blessings around us. If you're a businessman, a business lady listening to me right now, even if you're working for a salary, it doesn't matter. If you are in the message of God's grace, if you are in the message of what Jesus has done for you freely, you will all of a sudden find that you start to see opportunities, you start to see uh, things that might look like an opportunity that is not an opportunity, that is actually just going to rob you and uh, maybe destroy your life. But you will know what is the right thing to do because everything will be grace-based and you'll start to see from a grace perspective. The moment you start to see uh, life out of a grace perspective, you will start to see the things that God has placed there. Because God places uh, opportunities, financial prosperity, all those types of things in grace all over the world. So the moment you, you put on the glasses of God's grace and His unconditional love, you will see what God sees and you will find prosperity coming your way. So when I speak about finances in Dynamic Web Church, I don't speak... Um, on this with a purpose to see how much money I can get out of you. I I will teach on this so that you can prosper. Amen. I also believe that it's a good thing for people to give. You know, if you give, what you do preaches to you. So if if I give, I believe through what I do, I can see that I've been set free from a fear of not having and I can see the fruit of grace in my life. If I live a life where I'm just stingy and I never want to give, all that that preaches to my subconscious mind is that the message of grace doesn't work. So, when God's grace works in your heart to receive, receive. And when God's grace works in your heart to give, give. Amen. In Dynamic Web Church, we use this finances to preach the gospel, to broadcast live like we do right now, and to do gospel crusades, to reach the lost, to print some stuff, to print CDs, to send it to people, just to show the love of God all over the world. That finance is used to just preach the gospel. Amen. So if you want to give to this ministry, um, you can go to your local bank. The, the, um, the banking details is on the website and you can make a donation as you feel led in your heart. Just know one thing. The reason why you are prosperous is because of the message of God's grace that came towards you because of Jesus. You are not prosperous because of your giving. You give because of your mindset of prosperity. 
That's why you give. Amen. So, thanks for everybody that has supported this ministry for the last year. We are so blessed by that. That money has been used to preach the gospel. Amen. Bless God for that. And I thank God for the obedience that's in your heart. Hallelujah. So if you want to give, you can give whenever you feel you are so free. Just know one thing, and, and this is it, that you are not prosperous through your giving, but you are prosperous through the message of God's grace, and that prosperity is activated by um, faith. And I just want to read that quickly in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed or manifested. So God's righteousness, the right that God has to prosperity, is revealed or manifested in your life from faith to faith. As is written, the just shall live by faith. Man, isn't that awesome? You will find the blessings of God revealed in your life as you believe the good news. So never open your heart to a law righteousness message. It's just going to steal from you. It's going to rob you. It's going to destroy your life. And that's what the Bible says in John chapter 10. The thief comes but to steal, kill and destroy. And the context of John chapter 10, when it speaks of the thief, does not speak of the devil. It speaks of the legalistic, law-based teachers that the Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, scribes, those type of people that preach the law. Jesus said that those people that don't want to come to you through the door, which is Jesus, but comes to you through, through some other way, which is works righteousness, which is stuff like tithing, sowing and reaping, and all those types of principles, they are thieves and robbers, and they will rob you from your true prosperity. They will rob you from your true joy. And even if you obey principles like sowing and reaping and tithing, and you are prosperous, I can bet you that you don't live in true peace when it comes to money. You'll always be scared somewhere, somehow. I've seen people with big ministries just come and say, you know, the reason why this ministry will still be there tomorrow is because we are tithers. Now listen, let, let your tithing not be the foundation of your ministry, let it not be the foundation of your life, let it not be the foundation of your prosperity, let it not be the foundation of your marriage or anything like that. Let Jesus be the foundation. For no other foundation can any man lay than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. Man, isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. That just blesses me so, so much. Amen. Now, I've got a wonderful message today and um, on the love of God. I tell you this morning, as I just went through the Scriptures, it just blessed me so much just to see how the love of God works and just to be set free from condemnation in every area of life. You know, so many times Christians are so scared when it comes to the message of love because we feel so condemned uh, sometimes because love, you know, to, to live in love um, from a human power perspective, is, it's the most difficult thing to do. And so many Christians today, they measure their peace based on how much they love others. They measure their love to God um, based on how much they love others and how they are committed to the gospel and all those type of, types of things. And they measure God's love towards them based on what they do for God. It cannot work that way. Now, I don't believe that the love of God is just this, like some people say, the sloppy, agape love of God. Which means it's just this, you know, God loves everybody and therefore we can just sin the way we want and all of that. I don't believe that. I do believe that the only way to, to be set free from sin, the only way to be set free from uh, fear, the only way to be set free from a life that you don't want to live and to receive the life of God is through the message of God's unconditional love towards you, which is basically this, that He gave Jesus Christ so that you can live through Jesus and He is not imputing your trespasses against you or to you. Amen. I want us to read... Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, if you've got a Bible, you can read it with me. Amen. And we're going to read there from verse... From verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, so many people today don't know what ministry they are in. I'm an evangelist and I've got a ministry. And there are pastors and they've got ministries. And there are um, prophets and they've got ministries. And many ministries are not the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Lord Jesus has given a ministry unto us. There's a ministry. What is this ministry? It's called the ministry of reconciliation. And now he, in verse 19, explains what the ministry of reconciliation truly is. It says, To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us this word of reconciliation, which is, if you read the beginning of verse 19, um, not imputing the world's trespasses unto them. Now, that's the ministry we have received. That's what we are supposed to preach. That's what you're supposed to hear out of the mouth of every prophet, every apostle, every pastor, teacher, evangelist. That's what you're supposed to hear out of the mouth of every Christian. It's the ministry of reconciliation, which is God not imputing the trespasses of people or the world, the sinners, unto them because of Jesus Christ. And He has reconciled the world to Himself through Jesus. Not through the world's obedience, not through the world's works righteousness, not through the world's ability to obey the Ten Commandments. He reconciled the world unto Himself through Jesus Christ. That's what it is. That's what He says. To whether that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. So, the world has been reconciled unto the Father through Jesus Christ. And the moment they believe it is the moment they receive or enter into the reconciliation that has been placed there by Jesus through God or the Father sending Jesus Christ. So, this is the whole thing. The only way for people to be set free from a life of sin, a life of defeat, to be set free from a bad temper, to be set free from addiction, to be set free from fear, to be set free from things that you don't want in your life and to live the God life, which is, the, I believe, the life of love in this world and the life of victory, the life of health, the life of prosperity, which is by Jesus Christ, is through the message that God is not reconciling this, uh, or imputing the sins of the world unto them. But He has reconciled them to Himself through the obedience that Jesus had on their behalf. Man, isn't that absolutely mind-blowing and just so awesome? Amen. Now, um, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I, I can be preaching today for longer than an hour. I've just got this thing in my heart. You know, if you lose some concentration, it doesn't matter. Just wherever you pick it, no, it matters. <laughs> I want you to listen. Amen. I want you to get this deep into your heart. You know, so many times we can watch a movie for two or three hours and we don't lose any concentration. We don't become tired. We just listen to it. Just open your heart. Just say, God, thank you that I can listen to this and I want to get this so deep into my system, so deep, deeply rooted into who I am, that I will just see the absolute prosperity and life of God manifesting in my life. You know, I believe it's a good thing that we can open our hearts to the message of grace and dedicate our lives to this message. Because this message is life. It's like Jesus said to His disciples, don't you also want to leave me um, like the others left Him? And, uh, and He said, where, I think it was Peter that said, where shall we go? For with you are the words of life. 
And that's the whole thing. The message of grace is the words of life. There's nothing as precious as meditation. Meditating in the Word of God. Just closing your eyes. Seeing God in front of you. Seeing how Jesus would handle a certain problem. And not thinking that you must now do what you see there. But all that you must then think when you see what God's doing is to say, this is who I am. That characteristics that I see, that good um, conduct, that life that flows there. That's actually who I am. And that's what I do. You know, there are areas in my life where I just say, my God, you know, I struggle to get rid of this thing or I struggle to get victory in this area. And then I realize it's just because of a lack of meditation, a lack of thinking and pondering on who I am in Jesus Christ. Now, what I do, just practically before we get into the Word here, um, I would just go and sit down at a place where it's quiet and say there's a certain situation that or a certain thing in my life that I struggle to get victory over, I will just say to God, Father, show me Jesus in this situation. What would He do in this situation? And then I would see how Jesus maybe would go and treat a person in a certain way. I would start to, you know, and when God shows you a vision like that, and you start to see what Jesus does, you also see what He thinks. Because it's just part of it. You just see what he thinks. You experience his, his thoughts in that situation. And then when I see all of that, I'm not going to say, you know, like those straps you get around your arm, what would Jesus do? So many times it just condemns you, you know, you've just done something wrong and what would Jesus do in this situation? Now I must do what Jesus has done. Now if you try to do what Jesus has done out of your own power, I've got bad news for you. You will never get it right. You cannot do what Jesus has done. It's impossible. When the Spirit of God indwells you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when His being enters into you, then you will do the works that He's done and even greater works. But out of your own power, out of just looking at what Jesus and trying to do it, you'll never get it right. You know, there are many people that saw Jesus when He walked the earth which could not do what He was doing. They couldn't perform the miracles that He was performing. They could not do what He was doing because they didn't have the same Spirit as what he had, and they weren't, and if they had the same spirit, they wouldn't yield it. They didn't yield to that spirit. And that's what that meditation is. You start to see what Jesus does. And then you renew your mind by saying, I'm not going to try to do that. That is just who I am. That's just, and then you say, my God, that patient person that I've just seen right now, and that I'm seeing, that's me. For Christ dwells in me. He is in me. I am in Him. We are joined together. I don't know where I stop and where He starts. He's one with the Father. The Father is one with Him. He's one with the Spirit. And they are one with me. I live in Christ. Christ lives in me. I mean, we are all mingled up one. And as I start to renew my mind concerning that, then I find that my life starts to change. And that's what it says clearly in Romans chapter 12. It says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, or by the repentance of your mind, or by changing your mind. Now, the way you change your mind is start, you start to see what God sees. When you see Jesus, you must realize that what, that's what God sees when He looks at you. And when you get that perspective, and it's not just a nice thing to think about, but it becomes your reality. It becomes the truth to you. That's the only way it is. I just, you know, one of my friends said something to me a couple of days ago. It says, a man's own testimony is not the truth. If you bear testimony of yourself, your testimony is not the truth. But if somebody else bears testimony of you, then that testimony is true. Like, for instance, if I would come to you and I would say, you know... um, I'm this great healer, evangelist, whatever. You know, it might be true. It might be. But the chance that it will be true is very small. But if you find five or six other people come, and they say, this man is a man of God. This man has got the power of God. You know what? It is the truth. That's just the way it is. It's like somebody coming to your house to sell you a vacuum cleaner. Uh, Listen, this testimony might not be the truth. But if somebody else, uh, uh, your neighbor or somebody tells you about that vacuum cleaner, say, you need to get that type of a vacuum cleaner, I can bet you that that testimony will be true. 
Because it's just the way it is in life. Now, my testimony, your testimony, what you might think of yourself might not be the truth. But what God says about you, that is the truth. Your own testimony, what you testify through, what you do, what you say, is not the truth. What God says about you is the truth. And the only way for your testimony to be the truth is, it must be in line with what God says. Hallelujah. Amen. And your mouth will only be filled with what God says as you continually, habitually listens to the word of no condemnation, the word of I don't judge you, I love you, I've set you free, you are my righteousness, I don't impute your trespass unto you, I impute the, uh, the, the blessings of Jesus through His obedience unto you. Amen. Now, that was a mouthful. Let's get into the word that I've prepared for today. Uh, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. It's a question about the law and love. And uh, we've been preaching, I think, for eight weeks now on the love of God and what the love of God is. And we've said that the love of God is not your love towards God. There's no love in this world except the love of God. And if you don't have God's love and you have not received it as a gift, doesn't matter what you do, it's not called love. Do you know that you can sacrifice your body, you can give your body to be burnt for the gospel, and, no, and you will not have the, a clue of what love is. You can give everything you have to the poor. Now think of this. Do you think somebody will go and give everything he has for the poor without an emotion of what he might call love? towards those people. Now, the Bible says clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that people can give everything they have to the poor and still not have love. You can do it out of obedience to scriptures. You can do it out of a feeling of guilt. You can do it out of an emotion of a need for righteousness. You can do it out of, if I don't do this, God's going to hate me. There's so many things that you can do and you can, you can do it out of a need for love instead of love in your heart. The only love in the world is the love of God. And whosoever receives that love which, come, which comes from God, he has got love. There's no other love in this world. We must realize that. So, we're going to talk about love, God's love for you. And we are, at this stage, we're starting to talk about our love towards God and our neighbors. Now, this is a scripture that has really um, been misunderstood and brought great condemnation to Christians. It says here, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, so many times we've taken the scripture and we said, you know, the Bible says... There's a new law. And this is the commandment of God. His commandment is, Thou shalt love your neighbor, and thou shalt love God. Now, I've got good news for you today. The commandment of God is not that we should... The commandment of Jesus, and this is what we're going to talk about, is not that we should love our neighbor. Now, you might say, Betty, now you are twisting the whole thing around... Let me tell you, this revelation the Lord gave to me about two or three years ago, and I haven't really preached on this, and I, I, as I was just studying the love of God, thought about it yesterday and this morning, studying it out. Listen, men, there is no such thing that God says, you must love God and you must love your neighbor, and that is now the fulfillment of the law. You must do these things, and if you don't do these things, then you're going to go to hell. You know, so many times... As Christians, we have not understood what we call in Afrikaans the, the samafatting van die wet. It is, I don't know what, how to put it in English, it's the conclusion of the law, put the, putting the law together. Now, if you want to take this scripture in Matthew 22 verse 37 to, to 40, and you want to apply it as a law, saying, well, I need to love God, and I need to love my neighbor, and on this hangs all the law and the prophets, if I can just do these two commandments, then God is going to bless me, then God's going to love me, and all of that. Let me tell you, rather keep to the ten, because it's easier to do the ten, than to do these two. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, that is now something. Most people struggle to love themselves. How are they ever going to love your neighbor as yourself? This is a very, very, almost impossible, I want to say it's impossible to do. To love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, the only way you can love the Lord your God with all your heart is when the love of God flows through you and when God loves through you. But with your heart and your ability, you will never be able to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Amen. That means you will never commit any sin because of your love towards God. Jesus said, because I love the Father, I obey His commandments. So if you want to do that, my friend, you can use this scripture as an absolute condemnation, never bringing peace to your life. Now, let me explain this to you, and we're going to do that in 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Now, we must remember, we interpret the Bible with the Bible. We can't just take this scripture in Matthew 22 verse 36 and just say, that is what we must do as a commandment. We now need to love our neighbor. That's what God gave. That's the commandment that God gave and that's what we must do. Now, let's read verse, uh, 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 to 10 and we're going to explain to you where love comes from. You must realize that love in the life of a believer, the God kind of love, the agape love of God, it's impossible for man to live in that type of love except it is received from God. You cannot love the way God wants you to love if you don't have the love of God in you and if you have not received it first. Now, we're going to see that in this scripture. This is what I want to say here. It says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. In order for you to love somebody, you must be born of God. You must be born of God, and you must know God. In order for you to love somebody, you must have John chapter 1 verse 12 in your heart. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, As many as received Him, that word received means to, that has grabbed a hold of with a purpose to make use of. As many as have received Jesus, that has grabbed a hold of Jesus, with a purpose to make use of Jesus, to them gave He the power to become, that word become means to come into being, or receive the being, um, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So what he says here, for you to be born of God, you need to receive Jesus, you need to grab a hold of the finished work of Jesus with a purpose to make use of it. In other words, you are saying, I see Jesus Christ has died, therefore I am already dead for all my sins, I have already been punished. He has been made righteous, therefore I am already righteous. And as you receive that, and you don't live by the law anymore, you start to live by, by Jesus, and through Jesus you will find Love coming into your heart. And that's what First John is talking about. The people that walk in love are those that are born of God and knows God. That word know means to know intimately, to have experienced for yourselves. So listen, so many times we think that we're going to start, we're going to know God if we love people. That's not the way it works. It says here that we are to uh, the, the people that love are those that are born of God and knows God. So there's a great thing that happens in the life of the believer long before he sees the manifestation of love. Or it doesn't have to say long before, but before. Because you can receive that love of God today and you'll find a change in your life today because you are born of God. You've received the being of God. Now I want to read it in a different way in the light of John chapter 1 verses 12. It says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that is loved has received the being of God and has been intimate with God. He's known God. Remember what we've said in Jeremiah 9.23. Those who know God are those who've got a testimony that God is a God of loving kindness that has judged all my sins already and that has made me righteous. I think we preached that two Sundays ago. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. 
Now what he's actually saying is, if you don't walk in love, it's because you have not experienced love. So don't try to walk in love if you don't see love in your life. Go and experience the unconditional love of God. And now we're going to go into the definition of God's love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world for this purpose, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Herein is love. Love is not in how you love God and how you love your neighbor. Let's just read it again. In um, Matthew, chapter, Matthew chapter 22, it says here, verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now it says here, Herein is love, not that we love God. But the commandment says that we should love God. But I want to tell you this, your experience of God's love is not in how much you love God. Your experience, you experiencing God's love is in what is done for you in Jesus. Amen. Man, isn't that awesome? That is so, so awesome. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that He has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So, your experience of love is in how you live through Christ and not through the law. That's how you will experience God's love towards you. Herein is love. This is the love of God. This is the package in which we receive love so that we can love God and so that we can love our neighbor. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, see the love of God comes first. God's love towards you comes first. We ought also to love one another. That would ought, um, the best way I can explain it is like this. If I take this water and I just turn this glass upside down, this water ought to fall out. Now that's the way I see it. If I can, if, if I take this pen and I keep it right over here, and I just, and I leave it, it ought to fall. Why? Because everything, for everything that is needed for this pen to drop down to the table, is in action and in place. Gravity is there, the pressure that I put upon the pen is released, it's supposed to fall. Now, that's exactly what he's talking about. That's the language he uses. If God loves you so much, if you can, now I want to put in my own words, if you can experience a God of such great love, you will naturally love others. Now, sometimes we've just used this as, a, as just such a condemnation scripture. Now, let's go to verse 17 in the same chapter. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. So, The love of God is made perfect in your life the moment you can see yourself just like Jesus. That's what that scripture says. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Man, isn't that so, so awesome. We love him because he first loved us. Now, I want us to go to John chapter 15. And verse 12. John chapter 15 and verse 12. Uh, Let's read um, from verse 10. And we must now read it from the perspective of 1 John chapter 4. I don't want you to lose concentration. Just say, my God, thank you that I can hear this. Let me just recap quickly what we've said. We've said the love of God is what God has done for you. Okay? When you receive the love of God, you will find a manifestation of love. We've also looked at the, 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 the conclusion of the law. The, the law put in shorthand. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then you will also have to love your neighbor with all your heart, or as yourself. Okay, so we've got that commandment. That commandment so many times is so condemning unto Christians because we think it is something we need to do in order to be blessed. Because under the law we had ten commandments. Now we think God has given us a new law. He's given us those two commandments. 
Now let me tell you, that is not the commandment that God has given. That is not the commandment that God has given. There is another commandment that was given, which enables us to live in love. Amen. The commandment that Jesus has given is not, love your neighbor. The, command, the new commandment is not that we must love our neighbor. A, we don't read the scripture the way it's supposed to be read. 1 John chapter 15 and verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Now I tell you, that can be so condemning if you don't read it out of the perspective of First John chapter 4. Because listen, this is the same John that wrote First John. And we must read this from the perspective of you cannot have love unless you've received the love of God. Amen. Now, let's read from verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now, so many times we think that um, if we keep the commandments of God, we read the scripture like this, if we keep His commandments, we shall be loved of God. It's not what that scripture says. It says here, if you keep my commandment, you shall abide in my love. So, God has given His love. What is His love? To live through Jesus Christ. Now, if we keep His commandment, whatever He commanded us, then we will continue to live in Jesus Christ, because that's the love of God. How will you continue in God's love for you? What was God's love for you? That you can live through Jesus. That's God's love for you. If you keep His commandment, then you will stay in that love. Now, what is this commandment? We're going to read, come back to the scripture. I just want to read you the commandment that He has given unto us. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23. And this is His commandment. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is His commandment. You must remember, the Bible says, God has commanded the love of God towards us. And that we should believe on Jesus Christ. Amen. He has given Jesus that we can believe in order for us to believe on Him. And that's what He commands. He commands, believe on Jesus. Okay. And to love one another as He gave us commandment. So how did He give us commandment? He gave us commandment. I give you my son. My commandment unto you. The law that I give unto you is, if you believe in me, you shall live forever. That's my teaching. And remember, that word commandment is also the word, in some places, the word word or teaching. Or it's also an order. The order that I give is, believe on me and you shall live. All you that are Burden, heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. That's my commandment unto you. Believe on me and love others as I have given you commandment. So, as you believe in Jesus, out of that, love others. Because you can even give your stuff to the poor and it can still mean nothing. How do we love others? If Jesus says, love others, this is, that's John chapter 3. John goes right into John chapter 4. Now he explains how you will love others. By receiving the love of God. Amen. So the commandment of Jesus was to love. Amen. Now, let's read uh, John chapter uh, 15 verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, so many times we think God says that we must now love others. That's His commandment. He says here, this is my commandment, that. That word that in the Greek means in order that or so that. Okay. In my words, I have given you a commandment, which is to believe on Jesus, so that you love one another as I have loved you. He has given us a commandment so that we can love others. Amen. What was this commandment? To believe on Jesus and to see what God has given in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now let's read First John again. We're just running to and fro. I really, want to, I really want to teach you this thing. Beloved, verse 7, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. So you cannot love unless you have received the being of God and unless you, you've been intimate with God. 
So unless you've taken part of His commandment, how are you ever going to receive the being of God? How are you going to be born of God? You cannot be born of God without faith. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So what's the commandment? According to 1 John chapter 3, yeah, it says, it says um, and this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of, the son, uh, of His Son Jesus Christ. And love as He gave the commandment to believe on His name. When we believe on His name, according to 1 John chapter, or John chapter 1 verse 12, we receive the being of God. According to 1 John chapter 4 verse uh, uh, 9, uh, verse 7, it says that we love others because we have received the being of God. We've received the being of God because we have believed on the cross, on the finished work of Jesus. Amen. Church, I want to encourage you to spend more time, to spend more energy into the finished work of Jesus Christ and less time and less energy in trying to solve your problems. Amen. You know, in my life I also get times when I just see this thing is just too big for me. When It's how it looks. You start to stress and whatever. And then when I see that stress in my life, when I see that fear in my life, what do I do? I say, my God, I need to believe. I need to obey your commandment. I'm in disobedience. I want to obey your command. What's your commandment? To believe on Jesus. That word believe is the word trust. From your innermost being to trust Him, to rest your mind in His integrity. My God, I'm not resting my mind in your integrity. Why? Because I am not persuaded of what you've done. Why am I not persuaded of what you've done? For I've spent no time in what you, what you say in your word. Or I've listened to things that wants to persuade me of other things. So what, what do I do? My God, I want to be persuaded of what you've done. How do I get persuaded? The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the good news, no law, no condemnation, no sin imputing message. Amen. As I listen to that, my life becomes new. As I listen to that, I start to find I'm persuaded of what Jesus has done. As I get persuaded of what He's done, what happens to me? All of a sudden, I find my mind going to rest Resting in His integrity, in His ability not to look at what is wrong in my life. Resting in His friendship. His friendship is His ability to um, treat me and bless me to a point where I get, I want to use my own words, addicted to His presence. Amen. Now you need to go and just get into the archive and listen to this again because... Man, this has come to my heart and, and this whole process that, that I explained to you now has been just programmed into me by God over many years. So you need to really go and just study this out. You will find peace coming to your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell you, there's nothing like the message of God's unconditional love towards you. Hallelujah. Now, if we read First John 4, verse 19, it says... We love Him because He first loved us. That's why we love Him. There's some other scriptures that I want to touch on. Um, oh yeah, I've made this note here because I didn't want to forget this. It says, God's love for you is seeing you in Jesus. That's how God loves you. God's love for you was seeing you in Jesus. And now, if we want to fulfill the commandment in Matthew, which says we need to love God. You know what, what we need to do? It's very simple. We need to simply just go and say, My God, you love me because you see me in Jesus. If I love you, I see our relationship in Jesus. If you don't see yourself in the Father, you know, you don't love God. If you cannot see yourself in Jesus Christ and receive the message of grace for free, you don't love God. If somebody comes to you and gives you a gift for free and you just reject the gift, it's because you don't love Him. If God gives you Jesus for free and His love is 
according to you being in Jesus and living through Jesus, the only way for you to receive the love of God is by receiving what He has given unto you for free, and that is you loving God. If you love God, see yourself as righteous. If you love God, see yourself as sinless. If you love God, let this mind be in you, that you don't steal anything from God by seeing yourself equal with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. Now, God is always God, but you are like Him because of what He has done. You will never be God Himself, but you will be like Him because you are in Him and because He is in you. Amen. Now, that is, man, that is a mouthful. If, now, let's get to loving your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you will also see him in Christ. So, the measure in which you see your neighbor or others in Jesus is the measure of love towards you. And that mindset manifesting is called good works. That is you now loving somebody else. Amen. So, never, and this is what I want to say today, never measure your love based on Never measure God's love towards you based on your love towards God or your love towards your neighbor. God's love was commanded towards you in that He gave His Son so that you can live through Him. Amen. And we love God. I believe we're supposed to love God. Why are we supposed to love God? We are supposed to love God because His love is in us. How can we but love God? How can we but love our neighbor? And if we don't have that love, if we don't see that manifestation of good works towards God, towards His ministry, towards the kingdom of God, towards our neighbor, you know what? Don't walk in condemnation, number one. Number two, there might be some law-abiding rule in your life. Get rid of that. Get into the message of God's unconditional love of God. Get into that meditation process that I've just explained to you and you'll find a change of mind, a change of character, which is easy. Amen. It sounds so difficult. It's very easy. It takes five minutes. Go and meditate on how much God loves you. Ask God what He thinks about you. Humble yourself. You know, grace is not for everybody. The Bible says grace, God gives it. It's for everybody, but it's not given unto everybody. It's given unto the humble. Who's the humble? Those who agree with God. God, I am the apple of your eye. Then God gives you grace. Hallelujah. The scripture in um, John chapter 13 that I want to touch on quickly. Let me see if I run out of time. Hallelujah. Amen. John chapter 13 and um, verse 23. Man, I, I believe that you are blessed by this. I'm blessed by this. If you really take some time and just study this out, it's going to just change your life. Hallelujah. 13 verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Now what does it say here? It says, a new commandment, was given. What was the commandment? Don't try and obey the Ten Commandments to be blessed, but believe on me. Okay? And he has given that commandment in order that we could love one another as he has loved us. So as you receive, as you believe you've been made righteous, as you believe I am the apple of his eye, as you believe I have been clothed with the glory of God, as you can hear his, hear his words of affirmation, confirmation, blessing, words of no condemnation over you and listen to it and believe it. That's obeying His commandment and then coming to a place where you believe it out of your heart, where you are persuaded of that to the point that your mind rests. Amen. Then you are obeying His commandment and out of that, and He's given that so that you can love one another, that you can love one another. By this shall all men know that you've been trained by the message of grace, by this shall all men people know that you are my disciples, that you are under my discipline. You've disciplined your mind into, I am righteous, I'm not a sinner. God does not condemn me. I am not afraid of judgment day. As He is, so am I. I've been disciplined into the message of what He's done for me, and not what I must do for Him. And when I'm disciplined in that, I will find love flowing, just oozing out of me. Amen. Man, isn't that so, so awesome. There's one other scripture, um, 14 verse 21. He that has my commandments 
and keeps them. He is that loves me. He that has my commandments and keeps them. You know, so many times we think, and it's been preached, if you into this message of grace, you don't really love God, you just want to sin. It says, he that keeps his commandment. What is his commandment? To believe on Jesus. What has Jesus done? He came that I don't have to live by the Ten Commandments or by my own efforts, but that I could become the righteousness through his obedience on my behalf. Now, this is what he says. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, you might say, Bert, you see there, the Bible says that if you keep my commandments, then I will love you. Now, I want to explain that. The love of God has been commanded towards us in that He gave His Son to us. So God's already shown His love to all the world. But when we keep that commandment, that new commandment, what does He command you? You are righteous through Jesus. You are holy through Jesus. That's what He says. If I keep that commandment, then I am loved of my Father. Now what does that mean? God loves it. And takes notice of the fact that I love His love. So God loved me first. We love Him because He first loved us. So He loved us. We receive His love. Then He loves us for loving His first love towards us. That's what that scripture says. Amen. Man, we need to read the Bible in the true perspective that it has been given in Jesus Christ. Now let's end off with a scripture in... 1 Corinthians 2. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to repeat myself there. Just um, get, get into that. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. It says, But as is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. 